there is something more. There has to be something more. This is something that that I believe that we all ask each other and ask ourselves at one point in our life. There's got to be. There's got to be something more. There has to be something more. What what is next? Is, Is this all there is? In the words of Jack Nicholson, is this as good as it gets? These are the questions that people are asking. Uh, we are entering into an, a series on eternity that we're going to be looking at. And, uh, and to prepare our, uh, us for this, we had a few of our staff here at Triumph go and talk to some of our students from some of our neighboring campuses right here at MSUM and M State and Concordia and asked uh, students on the street, and so you're going to hear some construction noise in the back, um, asked some students on the street just kind of what did they think about and, and they, were, they were willing to, to kind of share what their thoughts were and, and, and sort of how they would answer that and, and also agreed that, they would, they would, that we, we'd be okay with sharing that with all of you. And so, uh, and we kind of just asked them, what do they think about the afterlife and, and what do they think happens after you die? So let's take a look at a few of those responses. So the first question is, what happens when we die? <laughs> um, I believe in reincarnation. So... <laughs> Do you want to explain that a little bit? Like, what does okay. that mean? Um, well, I think that uh, you keep on reliving life until you're a good person. And then once you fulfill that, you get to go to a heaven. But I don't believe in a hell. So. Unless it's a super bad person. I believe that we go to heaven and live happily with everyone else that we have went through life with. And we have just an eternity together then. I just believe that being a good person throughout your entire life and doing good deeds um, will get you there. And also, just being mindful of what you're doing. So what is heaven like? Whatever you want it to be. It's your own personal heaven. Is hell real? You mentioned you don't believe in hell. Do you guys believe in hell and what is it like? Um, Well, I kind of believe in it. It's kind of like a scary thought to me, I guess because that's what everyone makes it seem like. It's like you get the interpretations of it being like fire and like the devil and stuff like that. I believe most people go to heaven because God gives them the opportunity multiple times and there's very little people that go to hell. I really don't know what happens when we die and it's kind of concerning because <laughs> I'm really scared of dying. <laughs> it's the truth. Do you believe heaven is real? And if so, what is it like? I think, like, it can't really be to me just because, like, it doesn't make sense. You know, like, that, like, I'm already confused about dying, so, like, thinking of something happening after I die is, like, weird. Is hell real? And what is that like? I think there's, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. It's hard to think of something like that and have it connect in my mind. I'm so thankful that uh, these students get to share. And we're going to hear each and every week uh, some different uh, interviews that we, that we did. Um, that, last set, that last student said that, that he, didn't know, uh, he didn't know what happens when you die and, and, and if there was something after we die. But he was concerned about it, okay? His girlfriend was standing there and it's like, he, she knows how afraid I am about 
dying. And so people who, maybe, maybe they're not followers of Jesus and maybe they, they don't ascribe to, to, to a God, but, but it's not as though they're not asking those questions. We're all asking those questions and maybe we're asking them quite a bit and, and maybe that's mixed with fear or, or maybe we're just kind of asking them because we want to know, is, is this all there is? Over the next couple of months, we're going to be talking through uh, a series on eternity and, and looking at different components of that. Uh, today, we're going to talk about what happens you know, after we die. Eternity is closer than you think. We're going to be looking at questions like, what is heaven like? And, and what is hell like? And where do, where do we go when we die? What, the Bible talks about this new heaven and new earth. What, what is that all about? Um, and was Jesus really serious when he talked about hell? Was he? Or, or maybe we're just making it worse than it is. I don't know. And does my today Im- impact my future? And, and, and what do I do now? And how does that impact, how, impact my future? Those are the questions that we're going to be talking about. Today we are going to be talking about how we think about salvation and if eternity or heaven and hell is something that we achieve kind of based on our thoughts or our actions. And uh, for, for today, I would like for us to read um, a passage that's really going to ground us in this conversation, and it comes from the Gospel of John. We have it printed in your worship folders if you'd like to turn there, or if you brought your Bibles with you. And first graders, you can open up there. We already got some in the pews here today with us. And uh, this is a place where Jesus defines for us really what eternal life is. And it's, it's really the only place in the entire New Testament where we get a, a, a real strong definition of what is eternal life and what does What does that really mean? And so we're going to be looking at John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. And and really, I'd like for us to specifically kind of focus on that that third verse uh, that we have here. But but reading in Jesus' name, it says this. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So as I was kind of thinking about this, how do most people think about salvation? It, is it just about heading one way or, or the other? You just think, is it just about our final destination or of, of heaven and hell? Is this a kind, of, kind of like a hit up for the penthouse and, and down for the basement? Is this sort of this up and down kind of thing? Is this, is this kind of how we think about salvation? Uh, a culture... Uh, even has its view on how people think about salvation. Uh, there's a hit show uh, that has been on for the last couple of years called The Good Place, and I don't know if you've ever watched it before, but there are characters that are stuck in the bad place, meaning hell, and are trying to prove their case as to why they deserve to be not in the bad place, but really the good place. And, and Eleanor, who is the main character, is having this conversation with Thede. And Eleanor explains to one of the other characters how she doesn't deserve the good place or the bad place, right? Uh, I was kind of a medium person, right? I should get to spend eternity in a medium place. Like Cincinnati, you know? I don't know. But, I mean, right? Like, 
the show, in a lot of ways, makes salvation out to be all about either uh, being in the good place or the bad place, and how you actually go to one of those places is based on how good of a person you are. Like, how many fundraisers were you a part of? How many, how many children did you help feed? How many benefits were you a part of? And, and, and what are the kind of bad things that you did? And, and, and they determine those in the show on which direction that you should really go. And that's how they kind of look at it, and that's kind of how they explain it. Uh, we heard in interviews with the students in the video their thoughts about salvation, that it, it is something that happens when you die, but if you live correctly, then, then your reward is you get to go to heaven. Or, or maybe that just, you know what? Everybody goes to heaven. There, there isn't a hell. That everybody just ends up in the same place. We're all going up the same mountain, just in different directions. You know, and, and, and I, I've kind of, you know, think about this. You know, funny thing is, is kind of who determines, if, if it is based on what's good or bad, who determines what's good or bad? I mean, who determines that? Our society at different times in the history of our world has had different views on what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. So did it, if something that we used to think was right and, and now we think it's wrong, well, when was it right and when was it wrong? Okay, I'm going off on a tangent, but you know what I mean, like, right? These are the questions that I think that we are thinking about. So there is a big question about what we think about salvation, but eternal life, as we, as we kind of found out what it, by, by what God says in his word uh, and scripture, is actually pretty simple. And if you look, and I said I'd like for us to kind of look specifically at verse 3, it kind of says this, eternal life is, is really simply knowing God. Knowing God. There's a book that I'm kind of reading as we walk through this series called uh, Eternity is Now in Session, written by John Ortberg. And he, he says in, in the book, the kind of knowing God that is eternal life is an interactive relationship where I experience God's presence and favor and power in my real life on this earth. See, it's not about knowing the right answers or affirming the right doctrines or achieving the minimum entrance requirements. See, knowing God is, is not just knowing facts about him. Siri wants to talk to me, apparently. Um, there is a difference between knowledge of someone and knowing someone. Uh, in the film Goodwill Hunting, Robin Williams plays a psychiatrist. This is one of my, one of my favorite films. Um, Robin Williams plays a psychiatrist who has Will Hunting, who's played by Matt Damon, as a patient. And, and Matt's character, Will, in the film is someone who's a genius. I mean, like, he has the ability to read any book and to retain all of its facts. I super am jealous of that, okay? I would love for that to be the case, but it's definitely not the case for me. Um, but Will has the ability just to read anything. He's a mathematical genius. He's able to just memorize biochemistry, and he can just retort and, and just regurgitate any facts that he has ever kind of read in a book. And there's a scene in which Robin and Matt are sitting by a pond, like I have here, and Robin remarks to Will that he can, you know, that, that Will can tell him all kinds of facts about the Sistine Chapel, but he's never experienced what it, what, it, what it looks like when you're looking up at that beautiful ceiling with your own eyes. Just because you know about the Sistine Chapel doesn't, doesn't mean you know what it's like to enter into a room and, and the reverence that you can have. 
He says, you know, maybe, you know, to Robin says to Will, you know, maybe you've even been in a romantic relationship before. Maybe you've even said I love you because of a physical relationship. But, but, but have, you ever, have you ever woken up by your wife every single day and still loved her? Have you ever walked your wife to the bathroom in the midst of chemo treatments? He tells him that he might think he knows these things because of knowledge of facts, but truly knowing things in people is much more than that. That Will in the, in the movie is an orphan, and Robin says, you're an orphan, right? Do you think I know the first thing about what your life has been like because I've read the, the book, Oliver Twist? See, there are a lot of people in the world know, that know a lot of things, but that doesn't mean that they know those people. There are a lot of people in the world that know a lot about what the Bible says without actually knowing God. There are people who know the right answers but do not have a relationship with God. There's a book called Knowing God written by J.I. Packer, and he says this in his book. He says, knowing God is a matter of personal dealing, as is all direct acquaintance with personal beings. Knowing God is more than just knowing about him. It's a matter of dealing with him as he opens up to you and being dealt with by him as he takes knowledge of you. Knowing about him is a necessary precondition of trusting in him. But the width of our knowledge about him is no gauge of the depth of our knowledge of him. If the decisive factor was notional correctness, then obviously the most learned Bible scholars would know God better than anybody else. But it's not. So you can have all the right notions in your head without ever tasting in your heart the realities to which they refer. And a simple Bible reader and a sermon here who is full of the Holy Spirit will develop a far deeper acquaintance with God and, and, and their Savior than a more learned scholar who is content with being theologically correct. See, salvation and eternity is about knowing God. And I think it begs us to ask the question, so how close really is eternity? See, we, we can act as though eternity is something that's so far in the distance. It's, it's, it's not something that I have to think about today or, or contemplate now. It's something that I just have to worry about later on. And we can think about it this way, but on, on the flip side, I think we can also think too highly of our time here on earth now. That we can act like our time here on earth is everything. Francis Chan and many others have used this analogy, and as I was talking to Pastor Jeff as we talked through the series, he said, I think I even used this analogy one time at Triumph. And, uh, and so I think it, but it's a great analogy, and, and it's, the analogy is if we took a rope and laid it across this whole stage, and, and we kind of had that, that rope there, and, and it represented kind of all time and, and the length of eternity and, and, and all of our time, not, not just our time here on earth, but but as long as time has started and, be, and ended, right? If we laid that across the stage and our life on that is just a small little piece of tape or maybe a dot with a Sharpie you put on that rope and, and, and that's our time in the midst of eternity. But sometimes we can act like our life is the whole rope. That this life is forever, that, that, that our time here, this, the, our blip on the radar is really all about what it is in comparison to all of eternity. Kanaka, the whole rope is about our blip. But it's not. The truth is, it's not. 
But here's the thing, our, our blip, even though it's not about all of eternity, it still matters. You know, one time I had a conversation with a student um, when I was a youth pastor in Brooklyn, New York. I kind of gave a gospel presentation in a sermon, and, and, you know, at the end of it, I was like, I'm pretty sure that I nailed that conversation. Felt pretty good about my, like, presentation. I was like, I think I got all the, crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And so a 19, 20-year-old came up to me. He was brand new to hearing about Christianity, and he comes up to me. He goes, Pastor Christian, I just got a couple questions. Um, so what you said is that, like, if, if, if I believe that Jesus is, is, like, Lord, and he's God, and he's the Son of God, and, and like, he, he came and he died on the cross and was resurrected for, for my sin. And like, if I, if I like ask for forgiveness, that, that, that I, I can have eternal life with him and I can be forgiven. And I'm like, I told you I nailed it. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that, I mean, that's true. Yeah. And he goes, and, and you said like, even if I can do that right now? I was like, yeah. And he's like, and I can do it at any point in my life. I'm like, he's like, even if like somebody, somebody asks for forgiveness and call Jesus Lord and, 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 and accepts that, 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 even if it's like I die in the next five minutes after that, that I still get eternal life with God? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, cool, I'll wait. I was like, didn't nail it. We can overemphasize our, our, our life here. Thinking that we can, this, 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 this Christianity, this life with Christ, it's, it's like a straitjacket. It's, it's a chain for the life that we really want to live and there's no freedom in it. We can overemphasize our, our life here in the now thinking it represents all of eternity, but we can also devalue and look at eternity and life with Christ as something just about a decision. I personally had the opposite problem when it came to people talking to me about, about faith. I mean, you, many of you know I came to life, I came to my life in Christ in my early 20s. And for me, in my, in my teens, in my adolescent years, I had people come to me and say, Christian, you know, if you accept this message, then you get to have eternal life with, with God. And then I said, yeah, well, I mean, that, that sounds nice and all, but what if, but what if your, your current circumstances or your current life feels like a personal hell? What about that? See, those were the things that I had struggles with and I, and I had a hard time understanding. You see, that's where those kinds of explanations fall short of giving the full picture. Eternity is about knowing God, and, and eternity is not something way out there later, but it's something that is here and actually now. That our life eternally with God is something that is currently available. Are you living your life with knowing that Jesus is your Savior? Are you spending time with Him and allowing Him to shape, and, and shape your life and mold you more into His image? Is your knowledge of the Savior shaping you so that you see yourself as a person on mission where he has you, whether that's in, in your vocation, in your work, or in your home, to your family and to your children, to your coworkers, your school, your neighborhood? See, eternity, as John Orbrook says, is now in session. So we are there. Eternity is here. But in a lot of ways, it's not, Right? See, as long as we're still in this world, there is a lot of, 
a lot of things that we still have to wait for. I mean, are, are we fully there yet? No. I mean, death is, is still a part of things while we're here on this earth. It, it robs us of the people we love. I mean, there, there are still people that are dying of starvation, people who are, are taken from, from their homes way too early. Our bodies grow old, and, and as time goes on, they become more fragile and decay. I mean, we can all look in the mirror in the morning and recognize that, you know what, this is, this is clearly coming to an end at some point. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Roman church that creation itself is groaning for the day when it will be liberated from its bondage and decay. That even the Spirit of God groans for this. And that one day we will be able to taste the freedom and the glory as the children of God. So in all these ways, we are not there yet. And we still have to live with these things. Now we are not fully there yet, but in another way, we are in eternity. And ultimately, the reason why we are in the there is, is, is now, now is because eternity has come here. See, through all the pain and the groaning that we have done as the people in this world, the world has experienced eternity coming into our temporal space through the person of Jesus. That in the midst of our decay and the decay of this world, the sustainer of all things comes alongside of us. That Jesus has stepped into our world and has invaded time. That he, he has helped us reinvent and rethink some of maybe times our Christian conceptions on the idea of salvation. That we have to rediscover the gospel and its power and its promises. We cannot shrink it down to be only thinking about heaven or, 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 or hell when we die, but because because when we do this, when, when, we, when we do that, and we, we, we boil down uh, uh, Christianity into this idea and the gospel into that idea that it's just about going to the penthouse or the basement, then what we have done is we have shrunk down the gospel in its full meaning, and in the process, we have also shrunk down God. See, instead of doing that, why don't we, why don't we stop thinking about the gospel and knowing God as knowing enough to meet the minimum requirements so that my ticket is punched so I could slip it into my back pocket as fire insurance and instead make salvation about getting heaven into us instead of getting us to heaven. How can you allow God and his knowledge and knowing him as getting heaven into us? See, what if we stopped thinking about heaven as a destination we reach? We could stop acting like the kids in the back of the van saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And Dad's about ready to turn it around, okay? And instead of doing those things, we can instead look at the availability of life with God now. The living under his reign and in his power now. You see, up there has come down here. He's come into our midst, the incarnation of Jesus, Jesus stepping into our world of sin and decay and bringing new life to it, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has come to bring life and bring life to the fullest. Are you in knowledge of that today, that this life that we can have, it can be lived with him, that eternity is now in session? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful. Um,
Lord, for the start of this series, and for us to be wrestling through these, these good questions. Father, I thank you for those students and, and, and their willingness to just share about, about their view. And, and Lord, that we maybe all have different conceptions in this room. And, and Father, I just pray that you put on our hearts and you put in our minds for us to actually not only ask those questions, but to seek the answers. Father, I thank you that we are going to be in a time here that we are going to be seeking what those answers are. And Father, I, I pray that as we seek those answers, that you draw us closer to your truth and to your knowledge. Father, I thank you that, that, that it is not just about, you know, affirming the right ideas. And yes, we do need to know what those things are and, and be able to explain them. But, but Lord, it's, it's about living life in relationship with you. It's about experiencing you in my everyday life and allowing for you to transform my heart and my mind, especially when it's off. Father, I, I pray that, that Lord, that, that we come before you with open hands and hearing what you desire to say. We give this to you and we pray this in your name. Amen.